Welcome to Real Life. Hi, I'm Jim Miller, and you're listening to the Real Life LA podcast, coming to you from multiple locations in the San Gabriel Valley of sunny Southern California. We're a church for everyone, and we exist to lead people to Jesus, a community of grace with a God-sized vision that reaches from generation to generation. As you hear today's message, we pray that God speaks specifically to you and opens your heart and inspires you to live each day with more joy, beauty, and wonder. Hey, Real Life Church, good morning. God bless you. It's Pastor Jim. It's good to be with you again. Uh, Welcome back to all of you who have been traveling over the summer or especially here at the end of summer uh, and are coming back for the beginning of the school year. I know various school districts have started or are starting this week. And so terrific. Good to see you all back. Real Life is swinging into full gear for our fall schedule. We have parties planned every single month all the way through the fall, all the way to Christmas. There are barbecues. There's a BMX back to school bash. There's Halloween parties. We have parties every single month at this church because that's just uh, what we do. Uh, And then we have a pantry, which, uh, as you heard, is at a new time and location. It's now at our Valley Center location at 9 a.m. And so we'll continue serving groceries on the second and fourth Saturday of every month to people in need. And we have prayer gatherings and prayer classes coming up. So stay tuned for those. So that's that's prayer pantry and parties. That's what real life is all about. And we're going to start a new series here for the fall called Influence, The Power of Invitation. And we're going to look at the story of Jesus' life and the kind of influence that he had and the kind of influence that he called his disciples to have and the kind of influence that he calls us to have. And the whole gist of this series, the whole thrust of this series is that you and I now live in a climate, in an era, where influence has become an important thing and it's shifted. Back in the year 2016 a new word was added to English dictionaries. And that word was influencer. An influencer, a person of influence, a marketer, a salesman, somebody whose social media had exploded so large that they could tell you to wear a certain piece of clothing and you would go out and buy it. They could tell you to go to a certain restaurant and you would immediately go eat there. Influencers. But, but there were subtle shifts that happened in our culture of, of self-esteem as a consequence of that, right around the same time, we started using a couple words differently in our culture. And you may or may not have noticed it because it was subtle. We started using the words relevant and branding to refer not to products but to people. That guy's got a really good brand. She really needs to change her branding. That was a new shift in the way we looked at ourselves. We are things that have brands. We have an online television personality that's distinct from our true identity. We're operating as avatars. And, and I think it has actually, I know people say every culture's been narcissistic, every culture's been selfish, but I think we really have changed the way we look at ourselves. If I could take a picture of you in your living room if you're at home, or you in the congregation if you're at the Glendora campus, if I could take a picture of you right now and text it to all of you, what's the first thing you would do when you got the picture? You would zoom in on yourself, right? I mean, that's what I'd do. I'd zoom in and go, was I smiling? Were my eyes closed? Do my clothes look okay? Right, I'd zoom in on my, like big crowd of people, the one thing I would do is zoom in on myself. And we now live in a culture where we're all inclined instinctively to do this, to zoom in on ourselves. And it shapes and affects our spirituality as well. Because when I go to the Bible, 
I, I go to it, and I, and I try to zoom in on myself. What, is it, what does it say about me, though? What does it say about my future? What does it say about my finances? What does it say about my depression? What does it say about my influence? Where am I in this story? And we no longer let the story dictate to us the story of God and the matters of God. We dictate to God what we want to see in his word. It may or may not be entirely new, but I think we do it in a new way. And so in this series, I want to look at what it means to be a people of true influence, to be a people of meaning and purpose, to be people who live lives that matter. What would my life look like if I put it in the hands of Jesus and let him do with it what he wants to? In this series, we're going to look at lives of true influence and true meaning. Pray with me. Jesus, I thank you that you call us to follow after you. And as you do, you put meaning on us and in us. You value us. You love us. You cherish us. And all the self-worth that we need can come from your valuing of us. But we still live anxiously, worried about what other people think. Teach us to take our eyes off this world and to put our eyes on you. Teach us to find our self-worth in you. Jesus, as we open this new series of studies and dive into your word, show us what it means to live lives of meaning and purpose and intention. Teach us how lives shaped by your love are different than lives shaped by the culture around us. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Jesus came to give people lives of influence, lives of purpose. And he sent his disciples out in the world to be influencers. And we're going to look at the opening of this series at the story of him sending his disciples out to influence the world. So open in your Bibles, if you would. We're going to look at the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, and in the Gospel of Matthew, we see the moment at which Jesus sends his disciples out uh, to do ministry in Matthew chapter 9 at verse 35. Jesus teaches his disciples that the two most important commandments, the two essential parts of the Jewish law, are love God and love your neighbors. Love God, love other people. That's what life is all about. And if you want a purposeful, meaningful, influential life, love God and love other people. That's what life is for. He sends his disciples out to do exactly that. But this is what it looks like when they become influencers in the name of Jesus. At Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, listen to the word of God. Jesus went through all the villages and towns, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. Remember, Jesus was not primarily known for being a good teacher. He was primarily known for being a miracle worker. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. The main problem Jesus saw in the world was wandering. People were like lost sheep. They were wandering. They had no shepherd. 
Because, because in Christ, I know where I came from. I know what I'm here for, and I know where I'm going. In Christ, I have purpose and direction. But without Jesus, have you ever seen a lost sheep? Do you know what, you know what lost sheep do? There was a video that went viral just a year ago in 2021 of a sheep that had fallen in a ditch, and its owner reached down and pulled it, pulled it out, and it ran two feet and fell right back down headfirst in the same ditch again. And the owner went and pulled it out again, and it ran two feet and fell right back down headfirst in the same ditch again. Have you seen that video? My guess is you have. Most people did in the couple weeks that it went all over the place. We have the most sophisticated information technology the world has ever known. You are capable of being educated in any subject you want to be educated in, and all of us are watching animal videos. All of us are staring at our devices going, you know what I like about animals? It's that they're so dumb. They're so dumb, I could just watch them all day long. <laughs> and the angels up in heaven are looking at us and going, really? Okay, so Jesus looks at the people and his primary concern for the world is that people are like sheep without a shepherd. He has compassion on them because they are wandering, they are lost. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few, right? And this is a farming culture. They know what he's talking about. There, there's a, there's a, a ripe crop out there and we don't have enough people to go and pick it. The workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. The, the primary problem with the world is wandering. And the solution is to send people out into the world to influence the world. Jesus' primary solution to the problem of wandering is to be the good shepherd who surrounds himself with apprentice shepherds who will shape the world in his name. And that's what you and I are called to. You and I are invited to be apprentice shepherds under, under the tutelage of the great shepherd in order to learn how to change the world in his name. We get to live lives of influence when we follow Jesus. Because when I follow Jesus, I know where I came from, I know what I'm doing, and I know where I'm going. I don't have to wander anymore because I am being guided by the shepherd. If you're not saying amen over in Glendora loud enough for me to hear it over here in Valley Center, you are not saying it loud enough. Jesus then will go on to riff on the theme of shepherding. He uses this, this uh, motif over and over again. In Luke chapter 15, he picks it up again. Uh, and he's talking to uh, some of the, uh, the people who don't like him about why he is a shepherd to lost sheep. Luke chapter 15 at verse one. Now the tax collectors and sinners... We're all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees, which remember were the teachers of the law, they knew the scriptures well, they knew everything there was to know about God, they went to all the church potlucks, and they were self-righteous and judgmental. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Right? The, the primary group that Jesus offended every day were religious people who were proud of themselves. And his primary offense was that his friends were bad influences. So, I mean, side note, but think about yourself. If you are not living a life that would offend very religious people because of the company that you keep, are you following Jesus or not? Because that's what he did. He was a good shepherd to lost sheep. And now he's going to tell a parable about that. Verse 3, then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. 
Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Here's the heart of Jesus. Here's the heart of the good shepherd. I'm not here to prefer people who have their lives all together. I'm here to prefer, prefer people whose lives are a mess. I'm not here to prefer religious, well-behaved, church-going people who have it all figured out. I'm here to prefer people who are lost. I am a good shepherd in search of lost sheep. Come do this with me. For those who already believe there's a, there's a fork in the road and you can choose the road of self-righteous, judgmental religiosity or you can choose the road of apprentice shepherding where you live not to condemn a lost world but to preach the name of Jesus to a lost world in order to save it out of compassion because we love lost sheep. That's what the church should be known for. We love lost sheep. We follow the great shepherd who loves lost sheep. And we are apprentice shepherds who love lost sheep. Think about what it's like to live a life of influence as an apprentice shepherd following the great shepherd. This is how we, we view life, especially without Jesus. Before we know Jesus, before we know God, this is how we, we view life. Uh, we often think of life this way. <clears throat> I have a certain amount of time, and that time is, is, is running out, right? I have a limited amount of time, and it's pouring out. Now, when I'm very young, I have all the sand I could imagine. I mean, you have like an infinite amount of sand, it feels like, when you're young. Should I spend my uh, next three hours doing nothing but playing Candy Crush? Absolutely, I should. Look at how much sand I have. Should I binge watch all nine seasons of The Office a third time? Absolutely, I should. What else am I going to do? I have so much sand. It's not until we get about halfway through life. It's not until we feel about half the sand is probably gone that we start to behave differently. And we kind of go one of two directions. We either say, I want to live well. I'm going to live to give. Or we say, I'm running out of sand. I better start wearing clothes that make me look like a person who has more sand than I actually do. I better start driving a car that makes me look like a person who has more sand than I actually do. Maybe I should get some work done and have the sand moved around a little bit. Right? We live like, like it's running out. Like, like it's, we only have so much and I better, I better zoom in on myself quite a bit because the day's gonna come where I don't have any more. So I better spend every moment going, wait, wait, what, what's, what's in it for me? What do I get out of it? What, what makes my life important? What, what if it's not important enough? We spend our lives zooming in on ourselves before we know Jesus. This is not how Jesus views life. Because Jesus knows that you're an eternal being. Jesus knows that you go on forever. The way, Jesus used, uh, the way Jesus views the world is very differently. He might, he might use the same object lesson, but differently. He would say, my kingdom 
is filled with so much love. And I just want my kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, to come to earth. I just want the kingdom to pour down on the earth so that lost sheep will discover how much I love them. The bottleneck to that process happening, the bottleneck to the prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The the thing that slows it down is not atheists, and it's it's not sinners. It's Christians who spend their lives zooming in on themselves because they think what faith is about is behaving yourself and going to church so that you can feel good about yourself. And everybody else is doing it wrong, but I'm getting it right. And if that's how we view life, we are among the Pharisees and tax collectors And we are standing in the way of the love of the good shepherd being poured out on lost sheep. Jesus calls you and I not to be a a bottleneck, but to be a funnel. To be the vehicle through which the love of the great shepherd pours out on lost sheep. That is the only kind of influence that matters. Jesus says the two most important commandments are love God and love your neighbor. If you want to live a life of influence, if you want to feel meaningful deep in your heart, stop zooming in on yourself. Zoom in on God and zoom in on others whom you love. And you will have a life of meaning. This is what it looks like to live a meaningful life in our world today. When we serve groceries at our pantry, when we give out groceries to families in need, this is what God sees. God sees his children in a desperate and vulnerable situation where life has become so hard that they are willing to risk asking for help. If you were a father, if you were a parent, and your children were hungry, Would you not cry out, someone go and help them. Someone go and feed my children. And when we give groceries to families in need, we draw close to the heart of the father who loves children who are in need. And God sees when we do that. And God blesses those who respond to the heart of the father. Or again, when we see people out in the world who are wandering like lost sheep, who who don't know the God who made them, who don't know where they came from or where they're going, and the purpose that they're living for today is not the purpose they were designed for. When we see people like that and we invite them into the family of God so they will know how deeply they are loved, we stand close to the heart of the Father. If your child was lost, would you not plead, could someone find my child? And when we seek to love lost people, God sees and blesses those who stand close to his heart. There's a woman in our congregation named Caroline. And Caroline has made it her goal to invite 100 people to church by the end of the year. And she is more than halfway there already. She invites people to church every week. The other day, I saw her at the door, 
and she had two new guests with her. Uh, and what she didn't realize is that behind her was somebody else whom she invited a month ago who started coming to our church. And he had brought a new friend with him, which meant that Caroline has spiritual grandchildren at our church. Not only that, but get this, Bob and Peggy invited Caroline to church when they rented each other on a bike ride, which means Bob and Peggy have spiritual great-grandchildren at our church, right? If you want to live a life of influence, draw close to the heart of the Father, the good shepherd who loves lost sheep and is begging for someone to help go and find them. Join me as an apprentice shepherd and let's go seek those who are lost. Now, fear not, introverts, you do not have to talk to 100 people by the end of the year. Fear not, introverts. Caroline is going to talk to 100 people, and that's about half of her friend circle. You will talk to three people, and that's about half of your friend circle. And that's great. We've both done the same amount. That's terrific, right? The purpose is not to hit as many as we can. The purpose is to reach those whom God puts on our path. And some of us will be very extroverted in that cause, and some of us will be very introverted in that cause. But it is the cause for all of us who long to have meaningful lives. Uh, and it's far easier to invite people into the family of God than you might think. I was at a restaurant in uh, Glendora a, a couple weeks ago, and I met the manager, and I heard the restaurant had a new manager, so when I realized who she was, I introduced myself. I said, hi, I'm Jim. I'm the pastor of Real Life Church. And she said, oh, I've heard about your church. I've been meaning to get over there. And I carry in my car little cards with the service times on them. So I went and got a card and gave it to her. I said, well, if you want to come, here's the services, here's the locations, uh, here's when and where we are. And she said, I'll, I'll, good, I'll come over and see you. Uh, <clears throat> she practically invited herself to church. Now, that still counts as mine. Uh, I, I've invited one person, and that's half of my friend circle. So that still counts. <laughs> it's far easier to invite people into a family of love than you might expect. And that's what Jesus does. Jesus is the great shepherd who calls apprentice shepherds alongside of him and says, do not ever become like the self-righteous, judgmental, religious people who think that church is just there to make you behave yourself and attend on Sundays. That is not what he died for. That's actually a bottleneck that stops the kingdom of heaven from coming to earth. Instead, live lives of generous, sacrificial love. And watch what God does with that. Jesus picks up on the metaphor of the good shepherd, but he did not invent it, actually. Jesus is plagiarizing here, plagiarizing from his own Bible, from the Hebrew Scriptures. It's a very, very old image, and the Bible uses images of, of sheep and shepherds quite a bit. Perhaps the most famous reference to shepherds is in the writings of King David. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. So I will have no other needs. He guides me. He feeds me. He protects me. David, the great king, had been a shepherd when he was a boy. And he knew what it was like to look over a creature that could end up wandering and getting lost. And caring for them and protecting them. And as a powerful and mighty king, nonetheless, realized that God was the great shepherd who looked over him. That even as a king, he was a sheep at risk of getting very lost. And he still needed his good shepherd. David got it exactly right. He understood the heart of God. And when God 
walk the earth, he would repeat the metaphor. Now, the image of shepherding sheep and sheep is even older than that in the scriptures, even older than King David. The, the story of the place of sheep in the role of God's people begins much earlier on when God's people are in slavery in Egypt. The time comes for God to set his people free. And he tells them, there's going to be a night in which my spirit passes over Egypt and I will spare the households of everyone who marks the frame of their door with the blood of a lamb. So they were all to have lamb for dinner. They were farmers. And then mark their doorposts with the blood of the lamb. And when God's spirit passed over Egypt, the, the Hebrew people would be spared. They'd flee out into the desert, leaving slavery in Egypt behind them. And God would give them his law and say, here's how to live rightly. But when you break the law, when you sin, you are to again take a lamb to the temple and offer it as a sacrifice. When we reject the creator of life, God himself, the consequence should be death. But that lamb that you offer as a sacrifice takes your place and receives the punishment that you deserve. Leviticus chapter 4. And that's why when Jesus first appears on the scene, he goes to his cousin John, the baptizer. And John sees Jesus coming from a distance and says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And in the end, Jesus would go to the cross to become the sacrificial lamb for us. Because in Jesus, God became man. And shepherd became sheep. And priest became sacrifice. So that we could be forgiven. When you believe that Jesus died for you on the cross, everything you've ever done wrong is forgiven. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Now, as powerful and important as that story is, the early church did not favor the image of the cross. It was still a sign of the horrors of ancient Rome and its tortures. And so instead, the early church for a couple of centuries used different images to talk about Jesus. The oldest church that we've ever found is called Dura Europis, and it's in modern-day Syria. And we know it's a church because it, it's actually a house, but there's a baptismal pool inside of it. And there are mosaics on the walls portraying Christian art. And there's an image of Jesus that the early Christians cherished. An image that they felt like captured the heart of Jesus. It's an image of a shepherd with a sheep on his shoulders. And he's carrying it home.
If you'd like to know the great shepherd today, the one who died for you and who loves you and wants to make you an apprentice shepherd to give you a life filled with meaning, pray with me now. Jesus, you're our great shepherd. We thank you that you walked the earth for us so that we might know the heart of God. We thank you that you died for us to take away our sins. And we pray now that you would send your Holy Spirit in our hearts. Give us faith to believe confidently. And then send us out into the world like you did your disciples to live lives of meaning and purpose. Send us out into the world in love that your kingdom might come and your will might be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for joining us today. Now, will you help us welcome others to real life? Share our podcast or find us on Facebook or Instagram at Real Life LA. If you'd like to become a supporter, please visit reallife.la and tap give to help us welcome everyone to real life. God bless and have a wonderful day.